You are listening to episode 43 of the Lewis and Kyle Show with Pierre-Antoine Depreux. Hello and welcome to the Lewis and Kyle Show. If you're new here, welcome. We are grateful that you chose to listen to our podcast. Lewis and I are college students at the University of Alabama, sharing what we learn from conversations with super smart people. We've had entrepreneurs, rappers, programmers, CEOs, and more. And the goal of these conversations is to extract the principles that lead these people to where they're at and to learn for ourselves and then share that with you, the audience. Lewis, can you tell us a little bit about our entrepreneurial guest that we had on today? In this episode, we talked to Pierre-Antoine Dupuis, a name I'm totally gonna mess up, but he'll introduce himself within the first five or six minutes of the episode and you can hear the proper way to pronounce it, but the spelling that you see in the episode artwork, you can trust that that's correct. Pierre uh, is an entrepreneur with a crazy story about his journey from a job in high finance to being a high-performing performance marketer and he'll walk us through totally how basically from high school till where he got to where he's at now, it's a pretty exciting adventure. Uh, he's the husband of last week's guest who has a much easier name, Dune Urshin, uh, the co-host or the host, no co-host of Female Startup Club, a podcast uh, that highlights the stories of female entrepreneurs. In our process of meeting Dune and becoming friends with her for recording that episode, she said, you gotta meet my husband, you're gonna get along great. She was totally right, we did, and we had a ton of fun doing this podcast with him today. Uh, he is a partner at Amplifier, which is a leading performance marketing agency based in Europe that has an average return on ad spend of over 14 over the last year across all of their clients. And if you don't know much about context of what I'm saying, it is absolutely ridiculous. That means every dollar they spend on advertising turns into $14 on the other side. That is absolutely ridiculous. It is a money machine. It is a money printer. And we wanted to hear how and why he got to the position to be able to be such a internet marketing guru. Uh, their main focus at Amplifier is helping brands scale their revenue using data analysis and deploying scaling strategies across all the main performance marketing platforms. This episode is fun. Uh, we have a lot of fun chatting with Pierre and laughing through a story about some surfboard shops he's been working through and his finance jobs and kind of how we just ended up where he's at. Uh, I think that's enough introduction for him and I'm just gonna switch over to the episode and let you all hear our story and our chat with Pierre. Pierre, welcome to the Lewis and Kyle show. We're excited to have this chance to talk with you today. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, I'm really excited. Uh, just to give a, a bit of background to everyone, we actually had a, an initial call about what three weeks ago or something like that, uh, yeah. and that went really, really well. So then, you know, we thought, what, why not, why not make it a, a podcast episode? And and here I am. So, you know, let's do this. Now, this whole thing really did come about kind of serendipitously. Dean was doing some marketing strategy to try to connect with other podcasters. I saw the emails like yeah, I'll do that thing. But also like, we should catch up because I really like what you're doing. Then Kyle and I talked with her, did our podcast with her this morning. And she's like, but you also, I like you guys. And you have to talk to my husband because y'all just hit it off right off the bat. And here we are. So real quick, yep. Uh, real quick for the listeners, can you just kind of introduce yourself, explain who you are, where you're at and what you're doing? Of course. So my name is Pierre-Antoine Depreux. I'm, I'm originally from Switzerland. Um, I now have a performance marketing agency, um, and at the same time, I have a SaaS software uh, that helps agency owner manage uh, the clients and the um, uh, invoicing system. So, yeah, and obviously, you guys have just spoken with my wife. Uh, she has a really exciting company that I'm also, uh, you know, I, I'm fairly involved in that business as well, uh, helping very much on the, on the performing side of things and, you know, a, a bit more the techie aspect of things. So. Uh, yeah, now we're both basically in London after having traveled a bunch of places um, and uh, due to visa circumstances, we're meant to be in Australia at the moment. But anyway, 
all of those plans kind of went down the drain. So now we decided, you know what, let's just settle in London. It's right bang in the middle of the world. It, hopefully at some point it'll be easy for us to travel to the US, easy to travel back to Australia um, and be like a, yeah, a, a fairly solid place to stay uh, for the next few years. But anyway, who knows, who knows? Um, as you probably spoke with my wife, uh, our way of thinking and our way of operating is quite quite fast paced. So, you know, decision um, and things might change uh, at the drop of a hat. So we'll, we'll see how, when, how everything evolves. Yeah, and you kind of skated over there, your, your agency that you run. Uh, can you explain a little bit more about that? You know, it's, it's D2C for female brands in Australia. That's right. That's correct. Yes. So it started specifically um, DDC for female uh, fashion brand in Australia, because uh, I'm really lucky that uh, I got to partner um, with a guy co- uh, called Prasad, who used to be uh, the head of online marketing for a company called The Iconic. And The Iconic is actually the largest uh, fashion retailer, like online fashion retailer in Australia. Uh, it's a rock adventure um, company. So it's like rock adventure, the, the, this massive kind of startup i don't know exactly what you call them but essentially it's a company that just launches really fast-paced companies all around the world um uh and they're kind of known to replicate business models from big companies the likes of amazon ebay uh asos Zalando, all of this stuff and then replicate those in specific countries so they did that in australia um and then my business partner was able to be there uh throughout the entire journey where there he was able to spend over 100 million dollars uh, in ads just at that one company. And when he finished and stopped working um, there, maybe about maybe 20 months ago or something like that, uh, he was like, okay, well, maybe I should, you know, a lot of people started hitting him up um, for consulting, et cetera. And about 18 months ago, I joined uh, him up to be like, okay, cool, let's do this properly and start a proper uh, performance marketing agency um for ddc brands specifically in the in the female niche but now we have expanded and we also present outside of australia uh me being based here um i have a lot of uk clients and uh, and also a few american clients as well so that's very much the the objective it's in i think we're going to try and continue in that in that niche of really helping at least online e-commerce ddc we you know most of our products at the moment are female focused. Uh, this is a niche that we're quite comfortable um, in. I think it kind of makes sense. But again, if we have the right client that comes in that's focused on uh, uh, on, on male product or male oriented products, we probably would take that on as well. Um, so yeah, that's, that's essentially what we do. So really very much we consider ourselves like scaling partners where we have brands that come in. And hopefully the main thing that we want to do is we don't want to be like other agencies or something like that where they give us a set budget uh, and try and do as you know the best thing we can but instead uh, determine what the break-even is on all of the product and really build strategies so we can actually scale so determine you know what what the key kpis are and then you know hopefully we start spending as little as like you know a few thousand a month three four five thousand a month all the way to spending hundreds of thousands a month and this is very much what we want to be like scaling partners rather than just an online marketing agency kind of thing. Um, so yeah, and, and the last thing I'll say quickly about, about this is like more recently, um, with that in mind, we, we saw that to further reduce uh, the barrier to entry and also to kind of like 
allow ourselves to put more time and effort in certain brands, we decided to do like more of an equity partnership with some brands where we don't charge any uh, um, fee whatsoever, but we take just a, uh, an equity in the company in exchange for them to kind of uh, get added into all our processes, all our flows, et cetera. So we actually take care of all the marketing uh, side of thing for them in order to grow those brands and hopefully one day uh, they'll be they'll be worth something so we just started doing that we just have one brand um, where we're doing this at the moment but I could see that potentially being the the future at least of where I want to like my time to be involved with because I feel like it's just so much more rewarding you know like when you really feel like okay cool because you know not that not that for other clients I don't want to do that but you know it's not the same level of thing like I, yeah. I don't want to like at, at 12 o'clock at night to be still doing stuff for, for other people particularly. So whereas, whereas if I'm involved at equity level, then I'm like, hey, cool, you know, let's, let's do whatever we can um, to, get to, to get going. So this is very much what we're doing now. Um, and uh, and yes, yeah, as, as you'll see, this is like a, a, was a long time in the making because there's so many stepping stones to get to this point, uh, which I think is quite interesting because now online, there's just so many people that are going direct to doing kind of more like social media agencies, helping other people sell stuff because it's so it's so accessible right now. But for me, it was very much a long journey that took quite a, quite a bit of time to get to get to this point. And I think we kind of want to explore that journey a little bit. Like, where where were you before you started in this performance marketing journey? Well, so bef- before I got into the marketing and startup world, I was very much in finance um, and the algorithmic trading side of things uh, i've always been interested in finance always kind of like ever since i was like 16 my dream was to go to the top university so i could you know end up working at goldman sachs or you know um the, the, all, all, the, all the big algo traders and all this stuff uh that was very much what i wanted to do so pretty much all my later teens with was focused on doing this um, which kind of led me to move to Australia to pursue my studies uh, in English because I'm originally from Switzerland, the French-speaking side of, of Switzerland, so Geneva area. So, of course, we've got really amazing universities, but a lot of them weren't taught in English. Um, at the time, my brother was also here in London, and I don't know, it just felt London, a lot of my friends and stuff were already in London, so it didn't feel too much. Anyway, decided to travel all the way to Australia, um, there I did a bachelor in, in, I think it was called math and finance. And then I did a master in mathematical and statistical modeling and very much with the idea of, uh, working in finance. That, that was all. And throughout the time, did internship like at UBS, JP Morgan, a, a bunch and other smaller wealth managers, all, all about trading, which I loved and I still love to this day, uh, which is actually kind of funny with what I'm doing now. There was almost kind of um, a, a seven, like a five to six years hiatus where I stopped working in finance to kind of what I'm doing now, which actually resemble my day-to-day feels in, very similar to what I was doing in trading, you know, like performance marketing and kind of like, you know, actually people give you more money with the goal of getting more money. It's fairly similar to from a concept than what happens in, in a trading world where obviously you've got an initial portfolio and the goal is to grow that to as much money as possible. Um, so yeah, I guess that was a, a, a really fast kind of overview of, of, uh, of uh, what happened from a personal level standpoint. Um, but then if you want, maybe I can be a bit more precise um, on exactly all the different ventures that kind of got me to this point, because that could be interesting because it's really random and just, I guess, uh, same as a lot of things in life. Like there is a serendipity aspect of things that just, 
you can't really control because again, if someone had asked me when I was your age, uh, I mean, just so you guys know, I'm, I'm not that old. I'm only 28, 29. Um, but and anyway, just still, still a few years older than you guys. Uh, if someone had asked me at your age what I'd be doing, I would have 100% said I'd be working in finance somewhere, uh, probably a hedge fund or a small prop trading firm or a small algo trading company uh, and definitely not being sitting on like currently on, on my bed because we just moved in uh, have, talking about entrepreneurship and stuff with like two cool kids from uh you know alabama university so that's that's definitely not know what I, I thought i'd be doing so yeah i guess that was a quick quick overview on on you know like the personal aspect of things but if you guys want i'm happy to just go way deeper on on all the different benches that kind of got me to this point now let's let's dive into kind of the transition point so where was kind of your last job in finance, first job in creative social media? Where was that kind of crossover? Were you doing both for your period of time or let's, let's start there. Okay. So it is actually quite a, a peculiar story. It's kind of weird, I guess. Um, so let me, let me try and figure out exactly what had happened. I think, um, so I was in Australia. I had, so when I first finished um, my undergrad, I was like, okay, cool. I really want to go and do a master in the US. That was my absolute objective. I was like, okay, because I wanted to go to one of the top university because I knew that in order to get to the top, to, to the top banks or to the top like trading position, really university was very much, and Ivy League universities were very much like highly sought after. And, um, you know, that would help me kind of get to where I wanted. But essentially what happened is just on my last year of, of undergrad, I got kind of like randomly introduced to this guy who used to date a friend of mine, a, 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 a girl. And um, somehow that guy had a, a, a small trading firm in, in Sydney, in Australia. Um, and so at the time I was like, okay, well, what, you know, like, can we try and organize a meeting? I'd love to talk to that guy, blah, blah. You know, I was young. I was really motivated. And I was like, and he was like, oh yeah, cool. Um, so she introduced me to, to her boyfriend. I went and, and have uh, like a coffee or whatever with that guy uh, and pretty much ended up in, interning um, with them. And um, that was maybe for two months or whatever. And right away, they were like, you know, I was about to finish my undergrad. Like I was literally like three months out of finishing. They were like, you know what? Like, why don't you come and work for us? Like, you know, you, you exactly what we need. They were, they were, they were just a super small team. Uh, they weren't very sophisticated on the, on the, um, on the tech side of things, not that I'm a developer or anything like that, but you know, I, I, I was a bit more advanced on some of the things that they were doing. So they're like, Oh, why don't you come and work? And so then I was like, okay, this is crazy. Cause at first I was like, oh, I had everything ready to go and move to the U S and stuff. But then at the same time, I was like, you know what, why would I do that when I'm pretty much getting offered the exact job that, I would want the master to allow me to get kind of thing. Mm. So then I was like, okay, well, wh wh why don't I just do this and, and still do um, a master at the same time? Like, you know, like do, do it, do it at night, do it on the, on the weekend, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, I started working for that company for a bit. Uh, it was really fun, very much like a, a, a boys club. Like what, what you imagine, of course, Sydney is not, is not like a mecca, like a New York or London is, but very much in, in the small space that we were in, you know, we had leather couches, very much the boys, the boys school, like, I mean, the, the boys club that you imagine working finance, like just essentially adult children, really like just idiots. 
Um, but, but that being said, it was really fun. And for me and stuff, it was the first time, of course, money was much better than most of my friends at the time because, you know, you people were just starting into the job and blah, blah. And that small, that small firm was doing extremely well. So it was all, everyone was getting paid uh, quite well. Anyway, so I started my master. Uh, I, did, I did it at the same time uh, at night, blah, blah. Those guys were also super flexible for me to do whatever, whatever I needed to do. Um, and then what happened is on the weekend, my partner at the time, she was working on Saturdays. So I pretty much had nothing to do on, on Saturdays. I was kind of like, I was like, okay, well, what, what else, what else could I do and stuff? And at the same time, like every tourist or every foreigner that moves to Australia, uh, they start getting to surfing, right? Even, and of course, they, it didn't last because it's so dangerous, so difficult. I suck at it, everything. But at first, I was really excited. So I started looking to, you know, like, like everything, when you get excited and you have access to money, you end up buying all this dumb stuff that you don't need. Um, so, you know, I was like, okay, cool. I need a custom surfboard. That's, that's what I need. So, um, so anyway, then I'm, I'm reading, you know, like when you first start a hobby, you start researching everything, you, you, you look at all the websites. Back then, this, like we're talking 2015, uh, actually 2014. Yeah, 2014. So it was even more so like websites and blogs and, and, and whatever. And I find this article about this guy who's my age and has created this new surf brand uh, that was just, you know, like 15, 20 kilometers out, out of Sydney, Australia. So I'm like, okay, cool. Why don't I go, you know, on, on, on the weekend and just, just check him out because I need a new board. Anyway, I get there. Um, and then I see this factory. It's a huge factory. I mean, not a huge factory, but like for one man, team like a huge factory um i, I wish i knew exactly in, in in feet how much that is but like it was about 250 square meter i don't know exactly what it is where someone can can can, can google that but fairly big for like a one-man team really well sorted all modern all stuff so I'm like, oh yeah wow this is kind of cool anyway i get started chatting with a guy we talk about my board blah blah i order my board i'm really happy and stuff then um, I go again, maybe two weekends later to just go check out on the progress. Uh, you know, I'm that, I'm that annoying dude that, you know, that just goes in to say, oh, hey, hey, how are you going? Blah, blah, to check when he's working. Obviously, later, later he told me that this is the worst thing people can do because, you know, for me, it's a fun thing. Whereas for him, he's in the middle of his work day. So if he's got like 10, 10 20 people that just come in to just chat, then he ends up doing nothing all day. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, so I did, I did, I did that. And then I, I don't know, like, during the, like the first time I saw him, then second time, third time. And then I was like, you know what? Like, it seems crazy that this guy is just by himself. Like, you know, surely, like, I don't know, he could do more with someone else. Um, and then I was like, oh, you know what? Like, I'm not doing anything on Saturdays. Like, if, if you want, I can just come and, and hang out. And I can, can help you with stuff like accounting. And maybe you know, I have you thought about raising money, you know, all, all of this stuff. And then we started discussing um, a bit him being my age, obviously him being more like on the surf side of things. He wasn't really, really across, you know, the fine side of things, the marketing, everything. At the time, I wasn't on the marketing as well. But I feel like I was, you know, I always had like ideas like, oh, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Why didn't you do this? And anyway, um, at some point, he's like, okay, well, yeah, the main issue was cash and cash flow and all this stuff. Um, and as I just mentioned, I was doing, I was making good money at that at the, um, uh, finance company. I mean, that, that, uh, trading company i was like okay well why don't I invest a bit of money i take like some equity in this stuff like it's kind of fun it's it's, it's cool in a rolex in my opinion at the time um so so i was like yeah well what, why not and then he was like okay i guess he didn't really really understand what that that meant um but anyway i ended up buying uh, 30 percent of the company 
Um, and so that's pretty much where everything then changed for me because then I started to really have to look at companies and how do you get clients and how do you generate leads and how do you actually sell stuff, how do you market, et cetera. And so around the 2015 mark is very much where the influencer marketing side of thing started. It was just in the early days. It wasn't people weren't doing that like crazily, uh, but it was the early days. So what happened is every summer he would go to the U.S., um, to do what's called a shaping tour. So he'd go to California and then be based in, in LA or for like three, like for two and a half months or whatever. So people could place orders so he could shape the boards there and sell them there. And so this is like, um, maybe like in, in, in January or whatever, 2015. And this just before like American summer. Um, and I'm like, you know what? We should just send as many boards to guys in the, in, in, in the US that have like big YouTube channels or big Instagram accounts or whatever to try and just get them to, um, uh, to, to, to talk about our boards essentially. And also at the time, my brother was a, a bit like of a, of a man, man influencer, male influencer, like fashion male influencer kind of thing. So I had heard of that space and I really could see that he was getting tips of, of stuff and brands were hitting him up and blah, blah, blah. So then I was like, okay, wh why don't we do this? And, and I was like, he was like, all right, cool. Well, yeah, let's do this. So where do we find those people? So I was like, okay, well, surely there's a website somewhere that just, you know, like a directory of all influencers. You just search like surf influencer, whatever, uh, must be there, right? Uh, so anyway, I start searching uh, and I'm like, okay, well, I can't really find anything. I'm like, this is kind of weird. Like, it seems like to be such a big industry and such a, something that all the brands need. That, that's crazy. And this is kind of where pretty much then and there, um, I called another guy that uh, also works in finance, he still works in finance, I'm really good friends with, um, uh, that pretty much throughout my entire uh, teens and stuff when I was practicing to be like a, a trader and working thing, we were always really close. And I was like, oh man, this, I've got this idea to do this. Like, what do you think? And I was like, okay, fuck it. How much money do you need to get started with this stuff? So I was like, um, I mean, I didn't really know, but I was like, you know, it was like, Okay, well, you know, whatever you want to do, I trust you. Like, you work hard. You want to be the smart dude that, that, that I know. Like, let, let's do this. If, if you think you, there, there's a need and you've experienced the need as, as a business, why not? And the goal was very simple. Just a platform that would connect brands to influencers. And that's where it essentially everything started for me. So this company is uh, what is now my uh, SaaS platform uh, that helps agency owners kind of manage your clients and all, all of this stuff, but which is that it started as an influencer connecting platform, essentially, where, so we, we it was really cool. We had built, um, you know, like the entire like negotiation process. They could just like very much what like Upwork is now. I don't know if whoever has worked, uh, has used Upwork, but you know, you go in, you, you place, a, you say what you want, people can bid, people can blah, blah, then you negotiate, then there's the escrow system, blah, blah, and then also all the influencers, something that I thought was really important is that they each had a really nice page. They could really showcase their work, blah, blah, all this stuff. So we did this, but I guess, you know, like having no tech experience, having um, no real marketing experience, uh, it, was, it was just very, very difficult. Like uh, I got access to early, to a bit of money early on from like friends and family and stuff. So I thought, okay, we're a really good trajectory. We managed to get the, the, the product built quite fast it was really cool um but something that, that i think is going to be interesting for all of you guys it was just so difficult like every time we spoke to people 
no one understood really what we're doing and no one's really interested uh, in it. And so I guess this is now a metric that Dean and I are, are looking at with whatever we do is like, when you have your first conversation, how easy is it to explain to people and how, what is, the, what is the, the initial response? So back then I had to try and convince brands because they're like, oh yeah, but we're not really spending on influencers. And if we are, like, we don't want to spend, you know, like give 20% or 10% to another agency, uh, sorry, to another platform. And then the influencer, they already all had agencies. So they were like, okay, well, so what does that happen? So like, I, I already have like someone to represent me. So now if I go on the side, then I pay again. It was really complicated. So as any marketplaces, it's actually one of the hardest business model to, 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 to do because you have both sides of the equation, right? You've got the demand and the supply and you've got to have a, 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 a perfect match between the two because then it's really this, this um, chicken and egg problem. Like you don't have any brands so you don't get any influencer. And if you don't have any influencer, you don't have any brands. So then how do you do that? Anyway, so we kept, kept going at this, kept going at this. Um, the platform was good. Uh, I was lucky to have partnered with another dude that was a big food influencer, all of this stuff. So I, th I felt we're in the right track. Um, and so then at the end of 2015, I was like, you know what? Sydney is, the, is not the right place. Uh, so then essentially then I was like, okay, stop working in finance. Um, I don't know why I did that in all fairness. I was like, you know what? This sounds like a good idea. This sounds like a better idea than finance for some reason. Like I thought, and sadly this, this might sound bad, but I just thought there was more money in the short term with that idea than I could potentially make in the next five to 10 years as a trader and a young trader. Um, so then that's kind of what led me to be like, okay, cool. That sounds like a good idea. It's a new market, a new, you know, like obviously everyone had heard of the opportunity like on the startup tech scene, blah, blah. You, you hear like crazy stuff, right? So I was like, yeah, well, why don't I do all of this? So I, you know, saved up the money that, 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 that I made uh, plus the initial bit of capital that I received. And I was like, okay, cool. Let's, let's, you know, pack everything in Sydney and move back to London where I thought, again, we'd have access to more capital, uh, again, more brands closer to the US. It just made more sense in my opinion. So we did that. And again, when I got to London, um, of course, we're all working from apartments, traditional startup uh, vibe with like four or five of us working there. Uh, it was really fun, of course, uh, really fun, but we weren't getting money uh, from, from any customers, no nothing. So it was very much you just kind of like shooting in the dark, like just working on the product, try and talk to brands, do few things here and there, like kind of organize free partnership between specific brands, specific uh, influencers. And we're doing all of that for free in the hope that we'll build like some street cred. And then at some point we could keep the influencer, keep that brand in. Um, and again, uh, I then had a coffee with one of my friends from school, like, like growing, like from when um, I was younger, because of course I had at that point been in Australia for almost four years. Right. So I had left kind of Switzerland for, for a little bit. So I had, I wasn't really close to many of my, of my, of my friends. Um, I mean, still, I was close, but you know, like after, after not living in the same place for a little while, uh, I wasn't. And so anyway, I catch up with the, that guy. He wanted to do a similar idea. So like, I was like, you know, why don't we partner up? So he was like, okay, cool. Let's do that. And that dude, he's the number one hustler dude ever. Like classic traditional hustler, um, but knows nothing about tech, knows nothing about any of this stuff, but literally you give him anything you have to sell, he sells it. And that's very much what he does now for a living, which is crazy. I'll, I'll, I'll touch on that. He just does the craziest stuff from a sales perspective. It just makes no sense. Literally, 
And me having sat next to that dude for almost like two years or whatever um, was just insane thing. So anyway, right at the beginning, we weren't, ma- weren't making any money at all. So he was like, okay, cool. We need to figure out a way to make money. Um, and the feedback we used to get from a lot of brands that were trying to get on the platform was that they sucked at social media. So they kind of needed help with social media. And the first thing we'd always tell to any brand was like, you know, some brands kind of, they're like, okay, cool. We, let's work with influencers and blah, blah. And then you, you look at an Instagram, it's literally the crappiest Instagram ever, you know, like really ugly and blah, blah. I was like, dude, you've got no chance to work with any influencer because an influencer would come look at, you, at your, your business Instagram page and they'll be like, okay, I don't want to be assimilated with that brand at all. So then that's kind of what led us in an effort to start generating money to start offering social media management slash content creation. And that was the first agency that I've created um, called SP for Sweet P because the company is called Sweet P Social. Um, so SP Creative Agency. Um, and uh, that's kind of what, what, what we did for a while. Like obviously him being like really a hustler, like he got us like crazy deals, like working for Chanel, working for Nike, working for Range Rover, working like pretty much for, for so many cool brands. But again, um, we, it, it, the, the business model just didn't, didn't make sense from a financial standpoint. Um, Cause it was really hard to come in like really, really high prices uh, for small piece of content. Cause you know, like if you do like a little Instagram post, a little Instagram something, it's like just so, such short term thing that brands really at the time, especially didn't really fully get it. But at the same time, it's really hard to create a next level piece of content, typically for Range Rover, uh, if you don't have a budget, you know, because you've got to rent the car, I mean, you've got to get the car, go to a location, have a, a, a camera crew, um, a, a bunch of different things. So, you know, anyway, we needed all this stuff. So then I decided to kind of distance myself from that, um, double down on the platform. And then uh, actually I decided to stop uh, pursuing the platform as it is in uh, November, 2018. So that was a, kind of a bit of a gnarly decision because I had put so much time and an effort in this effort of like trying to actually uh, do this influencer SaaS platform type of thing. Um, and so I was like, yeah, okay, well, damn, what am I going to do with this stupid platform that I spent like millions of hours building and stuff? Literally, we have all the craziest technology, everything in it. It was so, it was so good. Um, and at the same time, we also saw like other competitors weren't picking up as much as it was. It essentially, it just wasn't something that the market really needed. Or it's not that the market didn't need it, it's just the market didn't really want that because influencers, they already had agencies that I was talked about. And so agencies, they were really reluctant to allow people to be on this platform and vice versa. So anyway, um, I guess that's kind of what led me to at least stop this, which then kind of actually around the same time is when Dune has started, had started, so Dune's my wife, she had started her um, jewelry brand. And this is when I really was like, okay, cool. I just want to know everything and anything about how to s- move a product online. Because I was like, you know, I had watched a ton of YouTube videos and stuff. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. That, that, sound, that seems like fun. Like, let me understand how this thing works. And that kind of led me in the whole performance marketing side of thing, which then led me to uh, meet that guy, Prasad, who Dune had previously worked with uh, because she also worked at the Iconic. And then everything escalated to me doing performance marketing 
And then from having that agency, then I realized all the pain points that I had as an agency, specifically that offers performance marketing to clients. Uh, I was like, okay, cool. So I can actually repurpose my platform and make it like a, a product that can actually be super simple to sell to agencies because I directly make them more money. You know, like that's the number one thing is like, how can I have a, a pure ROI play where it's just so simple. I go and talk to an agency owner, I explain what it does. They're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Whereas before this whole thing um, was a bit complicated and stuff. So um, I guess a bit of a, of, a, of a no star for anyone out there trying to create a company or whatever is like, if you see people aren't very excited about your product or don't really understand what you do, first of all, uh, your elevator pitch just sucks or your market, your, there's no market fits. Like it's not something that people actually want. So now, um, didn't I, I don't know where we heard uh, this, but I think it was actually in one of Dune's podcasts, a girl said, as long as we're getting inbounds, we know we're doing something right. So, and by that, I mean, as long as you're getting people to message you and be like, oh, like, I love your podcast or, oh, um, you know, like I've tried to, I use your product, it's so good or whatever form of interaction, as long as you're getting an increasing amount of inbounds, you're doing something right. Um, so that's kind of like something that we're now focusing on a lot. Uh, and I guess exactly the same as you guys uh, were, were just discussing before the podcast, uh, you guys are now getting way more people kind of, you know, getting you to introduce new people for the podcast, blah, blah, blah. It's just this, this snowball effect that you just know the fact of getting inbounds, you're like, okay, cool, I'm onto something. And this is now where ideally you just don't stop. I heard you guys speak about that with Dune earlier. Um, it was actually just Russell Brunson that was just saying, stop stopping. He did, did this new series on his podcast. It was like, just stop stopping. Um, because I think that's what we all, that's what we all do, right? You, you, you go on like a fitness journey or whatever. And then, you know, you see all those guys and you're like, they're crazy ripped and blah, blah. And then you look at yourself, you're not. But the only, the only difference is they, they didn't stop. They just kept going at it. They, you know, like, uh, and it's pretty much the same for everyone. So uh, not to say that you shouldn't stop specific things because, you know, there are things that obviously you, you probably should stop. Um, but uh, yeah, I, th I, think, I think that concept is, is pretty good. And as long as you're getting inbounds, you know you're doing the right thing. You just just keep keep doubling down on that. Whereas for me now, the performance marketing side of thing has just been just so good because it's a direct service that everyone needs. You know, it's just so simple. Every brand owner just even wants to talk to you, even though if it's not a, on a on a um, actually me like them hiring me, but just them just pick my brain and talk more about it and what new strategy I'm using. You know, all of this stuff. Whereas this other platform was just so much harder. That for me, I was like, okay, cool. Maybe there's something a bit, a bit off there. Um, so just to try and figure out a bit of the learnings uh, that, that kind of led me to this point, I guess is yeah, just do random stuff a little bit. Because um, you know, if I hadn't walked into that random surf shop uh, and then decided to be like, you know, I, I was actually and for the first few months, uh, I was literally just cleaning, you know, just doing nothing. At the same time, I was making like you know, like already way, well into six figures a year into my business, uh, into like uh, as an employee, like working that company, but still on the weekends, I just go do some book bookkeeping and like, you know, moving boards from one side of the factory to the other. So just random, random kind of like things can really spark an idea uh, that's obviously now completely unrelated to the uh, surf company. Um, but yeah, in, in all fairness, that surf company really, 
has helped me the entire time because also I could speak from a level of I also own a brand, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, and, and also um, it's really cool. So actually for anyone out there that, that's interested, it's called iSymmetry. So E-Y-E Symmetry and the Instagram is like really cool. Um, yeah, anyway, it's not a big, it's not, it's not, it's not big because like he never really took it to a massive level because he's very much about, you know, like staying cool and staying like true to surfing and it's all handmade, it's all blah, blah. So, um, but yeah, so from, from a look perspective, it's always been like, it's always been really cool. So that also kind of added to my street cred versus like, yes, I could have bought some stocks or yes, I could have bought like a fancy something else. Um, but it, instead of, uh, I invested in that and still to this day, you know, fairness, I think it's, it's, it's kind of cool. Not a lot of people from Switzerland own a surfboard company in Australia. I'm probably officially the worst surfer in the world to own part of a surfboard company. I feel like that's a fair statement. Um, 100% the worst surfer that, to own part of a surfboard company for sure. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of roughly the, 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 the journey. So I'm not too sure exactly if you guys can see any, any sort of like bits of knowledge or bits of, of things that, that, can, that can help anyone out there. But that's, that's, that's the step-by-step <laughs> journey that led me to where I am now. Um, yeah, so, I mean, go for it, Kyle. Certainly a lot to unpack there for sure. Uh, my question was about the, the surf store and, and just whether or not it was still, still running and still successful, but we kind of, we got there at the, at the end of that. So I'll let Lewis <laughs> go ahead and, and take over. No, I was going to say, thank you so much for sharing that mm-hmm. entire journey with us. I think, I mean, a lot of the immediate lessons are kind of just the, the open-minded attitude of the, you know, you have a general direction, but you're not so dead set on it that you're not willing to say yes to things that pop up along the way. So it's kind of that right balance. It's, uh, you know, you keep like a cluttered calendar in the sense that you're busy and you're working on stuff all the time, but you're not so busy that you can't be influenced by new and exciting things as they pop up, which they inevitably will do. And then you kind of lean into the ones that were uh, uh, high probable of, or at the time looked like great opportunities. And I think the way you contextualize that in terms of like Russell Brunson advice about don't stop stopping, it's it was the right decision. It sounds like in 2018 to close the doors on the SAS, but you know, it's, it's the general hustle. It's the general pursuit of your goals to be successful in the space, to make an impact and have the autonomy and help businesses and still provide value in this general industry at the, the intersection of the random skills you've picked up along the way uh, that you're not. I think it's also important to highlight what you said there at the end too, about, you know, not being too good, you know, you're making six figures in this high finance job oh, at a completely. boutique firm and you're willing to go and just scrub like surfboards and move them around a warehouse, you know, like it's a different type of work, but you are above it because you are really good at math, you know? So that's, <laughs> I think that's an important thing to, to highlight there as a, as something that, you know, we should all be reminded of like, we're not too good to do anything and anything that we can do can lead to uh, breakthroughs in our mind or, or, or new relationships or even buying equity as a Swiss, as a Swiss man in an Australian surf company. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess that is, that is the the main thing. And, and maybe something else that that you just just touched on um, uh, Lewis is like, um, for me, something that you know a lot of people are like yeah just find your passion find your voice find your way find your all of this and for me that was that was always a concept that i always kind of struggled to fully identify with because i was like 
I, I, I don't think I'm like destined to just look at ads all day and just do ads my whole <laughs> life. You know what I mean? Like same yeah. thing. I will just find. So I love finance. I love ads, but I think for me, it's more, I love the concept that I can apply myself to a, I don't want to, if you want to call it niche domain industry, whatever we want to call it, and then do well at it. So I know there's very much this concept of like being like a generalist versus a specialist. Uh, I'm very much more of like a generalist versus a specialist. I, I like, you know, for example, again, I know more uh, about, you know, uh, development and IT and stuff than, than the average person, but I'm nowhere near a developer. I know more about math than the average person, but again, I've got nothing to do with all the boys that are really like doing like calculating integrals and using, I don't know, like Python to write crazy script to uh, analyze actually the, the, you know the velocity of a, of a stock any any of this stuff i just i'm not i'm not there but at the same time um it's it's a, it's a tough one because i guess there's so many constricting conflicting information online about just be like an expert at one thing or just do one thing and i'm like yeah that's cool 100 percent, and i can see the value in people that do niche out in that space and then, and then destroy that game um but for me i just I, i'm probably too I've got too much uh, energy and stuff like that to just be, to put enough focus and stay enough time on just the one thing that, again, and I'm not saying this is something that has served me well yet. Like, uh, I'm, I, if anything, I probably lack focus. Um, but uh, in the pursuit of trying to figure out exactly what my passion should be or whatever, uh, I think the, for me, it's, the, it's, the, it's more the game and the game can be anything. Uh, I think all the time, I feel like if I decide to go into property, I would learn everything there is to be learning property because now I know how to learn. And I feel like the information required for most industries, of course, I'm just talking like all the entrepreneurs type of industry. I'm not talking about the, like being a lawyer, doctor, uh, any of this stuff, right? Like that's specialized knowledge that you need to know all this stuff. But all the other industries, I just feel like the barrier to entry into knowledge is low, you know? You can just, you can, like, you want to be a uh, working property? If you want to, you can watch X amount of YouTube video, 10 books, and you're there from a, a minimum level requirement to get in. And then it's just talking to more people and an experience and, and network. That's, that's the, the kind of, for me, what, what kind of creates this, this crazy um, hello effect that then get you to grow. So I think, I think someone like me, I could have applied my skills on 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 just a, a vi wide variety of, of industries, and I just want to, you know, because growing up I, I was struggling with that a little bit. Uh, a bit I, I, I mean, I knew I wanted to work in finance, so the entire time I worked in finance, I was fine because I was like, cool, I'm just going to work in finance, and that's fine. Um, but then when I started switching, and of course, then that's when the doubt starts coming in, because then of course your parents are like, are you sure? You know, you've been wanting to work in finance your whole life. Uh, you know, my dad's in finance as well, so of course for them it was very close. From Close to home made a lot of sense. Coming from Geneva, from Geneva uh, in Switzerland in general, like of course, finance is even more dominant as an industry than other places because you know we had the, the financial secret for so long. So essentially, all the rich people from the entire world used to co come and store their money in Switzerland. So that's why we had just so many wealth managers, blah blah blah, in, in, in Switzerland. So it just made so much sense. Then when I switch, people are like, are you sure? Oh, man, what is that guy doing? You know, he went to Australia. He's now full cooked. He's like stopped working in finance. He's like now doing this other thing. And so this is then when you kind of have to be like, yes, people are going to talk. 
your friends from school, especially I come more from a conservative uh, background. I, w- I went to private school. I was really lucky um, about that. But of course, that, that leads to most of my friends being like lawyers, doctors, you know, uh, working property, uh, the, the more conservative traditional jobs. And, and of course, at the first, you know, like uh, second half of my 20s, people are doubting you. People are not understanding what you do. And people will be like, uh, you know, still to this day now, uh, uh, we were just back into Switzerland for a little bit. And, you know, online shopping there isn't as big as it is in the US or here. So still to this day, they don't fully get what I do, blah, blah, blah. blah. So, so then you've got to realize that, okay, maybe you're not, it's not the one thing or the one passion that you've got to figure out. But rather, some people do, but some other people might not find that, but rather enjoy the process of winning uh, or whatever it is. You know, same t- I guess same with sports. Like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm quite happy to play football as I'm to play basketball, whatever. Like, I have, I'm happy to play at both and I like to winning. So whatever, 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 whatever I, I, I play in, then I guess it's a lot of the same principle applies. And I guess entrepreneurship in general, whatever industry you're in, it's just it's just the hustle like you know resilience uh and just keep going I, I think so yeah i mean i mean i guess i guess for you it'll be the same thing like it's it's really impressive what you guys have done um especially at such an early age and 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 now the network that you guys are gathering through this podcast is just just keep going and some crazy stuff will happen from there um i think last time we spoke you were telling me about this thing, which was really cool, is about the disproportionate amount of opportunity that you can have by just publishing stuff online. Um, I think, I don't know exactly the exact word that you were, they, they used last time, but I was like, yeah, this is cool. This is 100%, um, 100% the case. And I'm going to give a, a very precise example of this. Uh, you know how earlier I just mentioned um, that I just got this first equity deal with the agency that, that we essentially took on this brand, uh, 100% uh for free for like the foreseeable future uh but we we take a 20 percent um equity stake in the business so it's a very early brand they don't have much but of course to to use our services plus everything that that, that's required will will cost them a a lot of money and this company i essentially found um by just publishing one single um post on the on a random facebook group so just to show Exactly. And, and when I did that and when that happened, dude, that was just after I spoke to you uh, or maybe it was before, but before I spoke to you. And then, and then when you mentioned it, I was like, oh, yeah, this is crazy. Because if this deal works out to be true, one single phase, uh, no, it is true that we signed the documents, everything. But if it turns out to be successful from just one random Facebook post could potentially lead to, I don't know, a few hundred thousand or maybe a few million. Who knows? Um, and I'm like, wow, this is this is pretty nuts. Um, so, uh, yeah, I was like, that, that, that's crazy. No, I think, uh, that's so cool that you kind of contextualize that. I think that writing online is a superpower or just generically content online is a superpower. It's the idea that you, if you say something once in a conversation with a person in person, more than likely, like that's your one opportunity for that message and that like effort that you put into the universe to hit into like an input causing an output or like the cause having an effect. Whereas you put something on a Facebook group that only gets, you know, a post every week and people trickle in and yours all of a sudden becomes the pinned post. Uh, I was looking at Dune's TikTok after the podcast because she told us about her TikTok. Uh, and she has this, the three uh, Reddit forums that every entrepreneur should check out. Uh, and you go on Reddit and you post like, 
hey, I have this marketing agency and we uh, are looking to work with exciting brands. And like, everyone's like, oh, this is such a cool business model that floats to the top of the Reddit and stays pinned there for a month. That's just like maybe an hour of your time to write that post, maybe half an hour. Uh, and that leads to so, so, so many opportunities that you don't, you don't know which ones will hit. It's just an idea that a certain percentage of them have a likelihood of hitting. And it's at the end of the day, it's a better use of your time than trying to tell 30 people on the street that you're doing this. It's in front of the right people. It'll be there at the right time. It'll be there asynchronously. And that's just one form of leverage uh, that you can create by using your time. And that's why we're so passionate about this. And every podcast that we do, it makes it more likely that every podcast we've already done will be listened to. So that's how the compounding effect really settles in. Yes, I remember last time you guys were talking about this compounding effect a lot. And, and I guess this is where, if, 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 if we can relate that to that concept of not stopping, that compounding effect just, just increases as you don't stop. Like the, the, the longer you don't stop, the more the yeah. effect kind of like uh, continues to grow. And of course, this is super, super relevant to the, the like financing. If you look at the Warren Buffett's of the world and all this stuff, that's literally the entire ethos of what they build the, the most. Buy the world. Sell. Yeah. Yeah. And literally just the compounding effect of, of, of like everything, just interest, everything just that keeps growing and stuff. So yeah, that, that, that's, that's, I guess, really interesting. Another thing that I'm going to say, which, which I think is so cool with what you guys are doing, which is, probably and i don't know because i haven't been to university in a little while but something that i tend to see is most of my friends that went through traditional universities and traditional degrees the one thing they have in common is they have no idea how to sell um because you know you do a law degree you do a finance degree you do uh, an engineering degree whatever whatever you want you have no idea about communication selling and all this stuff and so i don't mean about tactical selling you know like which which way you should shake your hand or or like you know like i'm talking about psychological tricks i'm talking about exactly what you just mentioned the understanding that posting stuff online or doing something in the online sphere really can yield tremendous results in any industry that you work in which is clearly something that isn't being taught to sufficient Mm -hmm level online because typically again again you you call like uh, in the properties sphere and all this stuff Yes, you can really destroy it by never put, putting anything online ever. Um, but there's also a ton of people that if they hadn't done that, would never have gone to scale or, or never would have even had the opportunities. Now we even see on TikTok and stuff, all those real estate um, uh, agents and stuff, like probably showing, at least just again, the probably it's all numbers game. Most of life is a numbers game and you just get more more number. So um i I, th- I think this is quite important for anyone that is currently working uh, as, like for the exam or studying for the exams uh at universities on top of that i don't want i don't want everyone to be like performance marketing expert and to know everything about selling online and anything of like that but to have some some sort of an understanding about you know what can be done online in you know like what tools can you leverage in your specific industry like you know what if you worked in finance because, for example, a clear example. Uh, now, of course, in, in finance, uh, like a fund, they need to raise money, right? Like that's the concept of the fund. They need to raise money so they can invest the money on the stock market. So, of course, traditionally, it was very, very um, uh, traditional. Like, you know, people would meet up for coffees uh, and people that you, you used to work at a bank used to know other people at the bank and blah, 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 blah. But now, of course, um, and, and specifically now with COVID and all this stuff, even uh, such a traditional kind of like safe industry 
uh, like that is now under pressure because those guys can't meet the same way. They can't go out for dinners and, and do what they do uh, and, and blah, blah. So, so by be like, okay, cool. How could we leverage the online tools and just by publishing stuff, you know, again, the exact same thing. If you like, if you, pro if you have the ability to create crazy content, then publishing that online for a finance company can lead to, again, you know, those guys that just need 10 people to hit. They don't it need comes like back to inbound leads, right? Exactly. And, and especially for those guys that don't need 20,000 leads, right? They just need, I don't know, 80 leads and they just need 10 of those leads to close for them to, to do well. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I think that's, that's something that any industry, anything, because Again, I know I'm, I talk always about, about uh, Russell Brunson, but I'm in the process of finishing his, uh, oh, actually I just finished uh, uh, his, his book, Traffic Secret, which I, I recommend, of course, to everyone. Um, it's, it's, it, I mean, honestly, it's, it's, just, it's just good what he does. Like the, the way he, he speaks is just, it's just easy to connect. But yeah, something in that, in that book in particular, he talks about his friend who's a chiropractor uh, who went and did like 12 years of school. Oh, I can't remember exactly how long he, he went to school for, but like a long while. And then finishes his degree and now he goes and set up a practice somewhere and he realizes he's got no freaking clue on how to get any clients. And so I'm like, okay, well, that's pretty gnarly that you had to wait for that long to realize, you know, how, how on earth are you going to get clients? And so I guess this had nothing to do with the online e-commerce, but still it's very relevant. So um, I think in addition, like what you guys, whatever degree you guys have done, that in addition to that, now your, your, your brain is like... It's just like crazy you can tell knowledge and connection and, and just understanding of what else you could do to drive traffic to whatever you guys do. So yeah, definitely like look at how you like online tools you could use to leverage like in your industry while you're studying because you'll, you know, and this is talking specifically if, if there's like a, any students out there that are listening, um, whatever industry you'll be, if you know this, you'll be the only one when you join the company, I can tell you that you'll be the only one, especially if you, if you join a, a traditional uh, law firm or a traditional real estate company or something like that, people will be like, I've never heard of any of this stuff and you'll be the only one to know this. So um, I think, I think that will be quite interesting on top of all the other skills that you'll, that you'll learn, then you'll be able to bring some serious value uh, to, to whatever industry you work yeah. in. So I mean, I think there are other even unstated benefits of doing that from just uh, the intrinsic standpoint, when you force yourself to, you know, be the person and you put the responsibility on yourself in your industry to be informed on the up and coming, be informed on the cutting edge, not in a PhD research standpoint, but in a, you know, journalistic standpoint, and you force yourself to write a short, you know, it could be a weekly newsletter, it could be a blog post on medium, just like these are things that happen in this industry. These are the complicated topics, I'm going to simplify them, you do that. And all of a sudden, you develop a reputation for being like the guy that knows what's going on. And in the process, you're actually learning about what's going on uh, because just it's an active pursuit of learning and you're gonna be 10X more effective. And I think kind of the, the lesson here that ties it all together is with your story. And it's kind of, you have, I think the missing piece to all this explanation is you have to be comfortable with some level of, of uncertainty and some level of like patience with results and patience with outcomes. Because like you said, throughout the course of your story, you know, okay, so you go to college, you're good at math, you're good at statistics, you're good at finance, you know, the finance brochure losing game, you know, you know, some random over here, we got this random surfboard thing, you learn kind of maybe some more hard business skills in terms of like accounting and supply chain and distribution and trade shows. And you don't know when, how or why the combination 
will put you in the right situation or the one coffee talk will put you in front of the right person. And you kind of have to have that patience that that will happen. And in the meantime, I'm just going to continue, you know, winning the different games I'm playing. I'm going to continue picking up the assorted skills. And even in a non-business context, the skills of pick up basketball, pick up football, you never know when that is going to be the useful skill uh, that leads to impressing the right person with the right opportunity. Uh, and I guess kind of the, the big piece of it is some level of acceptance of the uncertainty and unpredictability of when all of that's going to combine to turn into something meaningful. And then in the interim, it's like you said, with the social media agency, it's okay. What's your, what's your risk tolerance, right? What's, what's your, how willing are you to long to, how long are you willing to work on something that's not making any money? And then in the meantime, to literally live and support yourself, you accept a certain number of the cash, a certain number of the freelancing gigs or a certain number of like the closed end do this to get this much money. That's enough to pay the bills uh, to support yourself along the way. And I feel like that's a really kind of the formula is make as much money as you need to from your finance job, from your consulting gigs to keep you in the game, you know, to keep you living in a place and have food on the table. But if your end goal is the other thing, like just don't give up. It's, uh, it's patience with uh, the actions. So that's kind of how I think it all comes together. I mean, yes. I mean, I guess, I guess, yeah, of course, like, uh, that's a great point that you that you raised there because of course I kind of forget um, the level of kind of like uncertainty that I faced throughout all those all those all those period and of course I was I was lucky that a lot of things kind of aligned like for me being in Australia was simpler to come back to to Europe because that's where also one of my family was so it just felt less scary it wasn't as if I was going to, so a bunch of things that I was lucky that that happened but then at the same time when we had the social media agency helping. Um, brands create so content we were like 14 working out of like a tiny apartment like literally it was it was an actual joke and I was on a specific shoot it wasn't every day 14 but every day we're like 12 so still 12 in a in a small one bedroom apartment like with a small living room um, we literally had desk on every uh, wall and then one in the middle and no one could stand up at the same time with chairs and stuff so I guess I guess you know now now I see myself and like it's 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 cool because um, we like now we're like in a, in a nice one bedroom and stuff but it it did take time and I guess I don't know I think I think if you if you if you if you I know I know this sounds lame because it's sort of typically the sort of thing that Gary Vee and all this stuff talks all the time like you know if you love the game you're kind of happy to do whatever but I guess yeah it's 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 probably the same thing as like again if you like playing any sport and you have to go and do practices and do push-ups and blah blah then sucks but it's kind of part of what you've got to do to 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 get there and um the number one thing that you have to do is not really care about what other people think because trust me my parents were like this is so dumb my friends had no idea my brother also um all this stuff they were like still to this day um but then i guess i guess the, the beauty with now online and internet and all the stuff you can find those communities and other like-minded people like yourself uh that you know like if you tell someone that that's what you do you'll almost be championed rather than be like oh what the heck are you doing there like people are like oh yeah sick you like 12 of you guys in the, in the living room yeah well done that's cool but i tell my parents that they're like yeah this is retarded like what are you doing yeah for? when you talked about you know if you're not getting inbound leads in, or maybe your elevator pitch sucks, I think a piece you left out that's really important is you're giving your elevator pitch to the wrong people. If you give your elevator pitch, like I'm going to leave Australia to move to this place to do this. And that person literally doesn't know what performance marketing is. Like, I don't think it's your fault that your elevator pitch didn't sell. It's you're selling it to the wrong person versus Absolutely. 
you make your pitch to someone who understands the niche, understands the industry and has a shared vocabulary, then, you know, you're going to have a higher probability of success. And if that person still says no, then, you know, you come back to the drawing board and maybe ask them for feedback. Yeah. I'm I mean, curious to hear, sorry for, no, no, you, you go, you go, you go. I'm curious to hear how that aura around what you do has changed um, over the years. Cause like, obviously, you know, there's a linear path and, and your friends who become lawyers and, and property people uh, and, and you're kind of, you're on a different path. Right. And, but you get to live in Bali for, I don't know, two years and do all these crazy things. So have they started to kind of trickle in being like, huh, I wonder what, what, what are you doing? Like, what is this? How, how do I, you know what I how mean? How has success changed the story, changed the narrative? Well, I thought, so just, just, to, just to be clear, we haven't gotten to exactly what my vision of success is, which of course, I guess this is entirely uh, subjective and it, it will evolve and change and stuff. But uh, what I can say is that I, I am now making more than most of my friends that are still doing the same thing, you know, like whether it's in finance, law, all this stuff. So it's like now doing I do, I do, I'm doing quite well. Um, but what's been really funny, this is actually an interesting question uh, that you had. I had one of my friends um, who, again, uh, we both played golf as a kid. Like we were very competitive in, in golf. Like we were both part of like the under 16 kind of like a Swiss tour uh, of golfing, blah, blah, which of course, like, you know, it plays into like, I knew that I needed to play golf because finance, because blah, blah. And, you know, this is a traditional vision of all this stuff. So I knew that I'd be better golf, you know, like when I had internships and blah, blah, if I ever got the opportunity to play with any, it's like a management of any company, then of course, you know, I'd be able to play in the middle, which at least I'll be able to have more time to speak with whoever uh, I'm playing with. Instead of like, if you if you, if you, if you if you spread everywhere, then you end up being like by yourself by yourself in the in the in the woods trying to figure out where your ball is the entire time. So anyway, all of this, um, and he nailed it in the finance space. Like we're talking, destroyed it. Like he from the like he did like right away. He went to the UK. He did a, a bachelor of like uh, I think something like. Uh, chemical no uh, electrical engineering degree at like a university called like uh, imperial here in the uk uh like which is really prestigious as well then he might have done a master's degree like somewhere like oxford or cambridge something crazy anyway they ended up working at um uh, goldman sachs being one of the the youngest uh managing no, not managing director. I don't know exactly the, the position that he had, but like essentially he was already making like 300,000 pounds a year uh, uh, and plus a serious, serious uh, bonus a year. Like, I don't know exactly, but over half a million. So like for me, I was like, wow, this is like, if from a financial standpoint, being like below 30, making this kind of number, I was like, fuck, this is hectic. And anyway, I had a meeting, I had a, a catch up with that guy. Um, and it was funny because this was just, um, I think it was just after Bali. And again, he was like, oh man. And and he was talking about this. So for me, I'm like, okay, well, that guy, obviously that guy's got it sorted, like everything. But then what you don't see is that guy is literally, he's at work every single morning at 6, 6.20, 6.30, whatever. Like he pretty much did nothing all his 20s, right? Like it just worked, hardcore worked. I mean, now it's it's fully, he went a full different route. He'll, by the time he retires, he will, or not retire, but like stop his job there. He will have a mouse, like a few meal that he'll then go and launch something ridiculous and it will be amazing. But talking about what you just uh, said, it was just funny how he was envious of the lifestyle that I was having at the, t- at the time, because of course for him, he's just, even though he's making bank, uh, he's still 
has to be forced to be behind his computer at a specific location because he worked in, in, in trading and stuff. So, you know, I guess I can only imagine that throughout your day when you're having a little break and you check your phone, you do whatever, and you see all these people traveling around the world and irrelevant of how much money you have, the freedom attached with not having to do that is pretty crazy, right? So, so that, was, that was the first time that for me, people like that, that thought in their head was like, you know, why did that guy stop? Because I, I could have been in the same spot as he, as he was. Uh, and he was like, he was, not that he was expecting me to do that, but, you know, we were both training and practicing as a kid to do that and to get to that point. And kind of, I almost kind of stopped the race early whereas he kept going and obviously really nailed it. But then the result was that there was, I mean, not that he's envious of my life in any shape or form, but I was surprised that I asked to, see, to hear him say that. Um, so I guess in that sense, that aura has now, especially, I think any industry in the last three years or two years now that Instagram has just become so prevalent and so big in everyone's life that you just see it, that even if you're making lots of money, even if you're doing anything, freedom is what everyone wants. Uh, I, I, I generally think so. As long as you're making a ton of money, but your job doesn't like give you that much freedom, then you you, you always or potentially look at someone with more freedom to be like, oh, it'd be pretty cool. And now looking back, I can ha- I can happily tell you that I'm very happy with what I'm doing. Like I can, you know, if I want to chill at 2 p.m. from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. because I don't know, I want to do a podcast, I want to go buy some stuff, whatever. Like then I can. No one's telling me not to. So, so. Um, our, our last episode was with a guy named Lee Lefevre and he wrote a book called Big Enough. And it was all about building sustainable businesses that maximize freedom and happiness and time over the amount of dollars that you can bring. Amazing. In. So it's interesting to hear you kind of parrot that um, after we had just talked to him and, and that's the conclusion that he came to and he set rules for himself to where uh, when he got there, when he uh, got to the point where he didn't have to have an alarm clock or any of these things, you know, it was obvious that the rules that he set for himself had worked. It, it wasn't mm. by accident. Um, but I, I think, mean, yes, yeah, that's 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 hundred percent. Sorry, keep going, but I hundred percent agree with that. Uh, but I think that we're going to transition to the bonus round now. Yes, 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 yes. I'm going to put you on the spot, like I put uh, Dune on the spot earlier. Uh, are there any ideas or, or business models that you've been thinking about recently that are, are out there that seem interesting to you? Actually, actually, so I heard, I heard what Dune was, spoke about. So this is kind of annoying that she used that one because I, th- I thought that that one is really strong. So just to reiterate, it's kind of essentially when you move, when you move into a, a random apartment that you have a whole team that comes in and just freaking do it all exactly how you want. Because, you know, they all tell you like now in the new place that we just moved in, they're like, oh, you can't change this, you can't do this, you can't put stuff on the walls. Like, what, what do you mean? Like, I freaking want to do all of this stuff. So anyway, that's a, that's a great idea. And also everyone would be happy to pay like a fair bit of money like i agree this is cool so now for me um right now what what would i do so i think so it depends it depends it depends what is the objective what is the objective with this are we trying to make as much money in the short term as possible we're trying to change the world are we trying to uh what like do you have a bit of guidance or just whatever uh yeah most money shortest amount of time possible let's just go with that (laughs) <laughs> okay most money shortest amount of time i mean most money shortest amount of time uh would be to figure out a way to sell someone else's something 
Absolutely, that's 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 guaranteed away. And and I'm going to give you a more more a more precise example of that. Um, I have a friend who works for Salesforce, and he's just selling selling like kind of a really boring uh, software for like big companies and stuff. Um, but those big companies and those big software, there's like huge, right? It's like hundred grand or hundred and fifty grand license for the year or whatever. And so, and they can take a solid clip of that. So that could be something. And again, there's, there's so many companies out there that suck so dramatically uh, selling their products. It's online specifically, specifically now with COVID and stuff that um, potentially selling someone else. But anyway, look, I, I need to figure out, I need something cooler than this. This, this is not cool enough. Um, I think it's a good answer. I think that yeah, the idea of high ticket sales or of I mean, Kyle frames the question, most money, shortest amount of time. So that kind of knocks off product development off the table. Yes. yes Developments yes, yes. from a software or hardware standpoint. Uh, and it's just, okay, so someone else has that, find a really good one and then distribute it. I think it's also an age old skill. Like every business needs customers. Every business is two parts, right? Sales and fulfillment. That's something we took from a previous guest, Jacob McMillan. Uh, yeah. And if you are just super good at sales, you just find the business that you're best going to sell at that has the best highest price product with the best commissions and just like get after it. Sell it. Yeah. You, you, you go, you go Kyle. No, I was saying just sell it and just do it. If, you, if no, you've but, got the product and you've got the commission and. But, but honestly, I reckon that's what I would do. So I'm not talking about drop shipping or any, any small ticket item, <laughs> right? Like, like this, this is, this is definitely not the way to get a lot of money short time. Really not because by the time you get the money, you'll have unlimited issues, right? If you try to do that fast. Because your fulfillment would be crap, like the product will most likely be shit, blah, blah, blah. I'm talking about literally like something boring, like a, a, a company that normally freaking sells like bulldozers to another company or something, something like something that now people need to figure out ways to sell online because they, they can't go and see the other people. This, this could be lame, but like really try and figure out an industry where the product moves and they need to move it, but there's unlimited people that don't know how to do that because now they need to do it online and stuff. So I, I don't have a precise idea of, of what that industry is, but literally we something where, uh, when, when like, you know, you shake hands like 20 grand, 30 grand, 50 grand, whatever. And so then you, when you can take a nice clip, like maybe a five, 10% clip, you literally go three, four, five, 10 G bang. Um, and you do that a few times a month. I mean, so let's not forget, you want to make hundred grand, um, you want to make hundred grand a year. You just need to make uh, 8,000 a month. Uh, which is then, you know, 8,333. And then that's only uh, 1,923 per week or $274 per day. So all, all you've got to do is figure out something that can make you $274 per day after tax, because otherwise it doesn't count. It sucks. Um, after tax, that's all you need, $274 a day. And if you want to go really hard, so a million a year is 2,740 a, a day. So that's a little harder, but... Um, you know, 274 days. One like, bulldozer every day. <laughs> that's it. So, damn, I kind of wish I had a, I had a, a, a more fun idea. But for me, I, I not at least short term, definitely. And and another thing on the on the easier side of uh, than what I just said is clearly still what I do. Uh, there's so many brands I need to um, to sell stuff online. There's so much information online. And again, I'm going to give you a super practical tip. Um, just bless you, Lewis. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, uh, I'm just going to give a super practical tip. 
um, for me, I think a lot of those brands just either don't want to go through the process of learning what's required to really understand Facebook ads, YouTube ads, and all this stuff, or they just feel, I don't know, maybe, you know, the other generation doesn't understand that you can learn everything that there is to be learned on YouTube. Because for us, that's a given, right? I mean, you, you just want to do Harvard Business School. It's for free on YouTube. You know what I mean? So for us, it's, it's ingrained. Like we know you want the knowledge, you can. You don't have the experience, but the knowledge is there. Um, so there's unlimited brands that are really old, crappy brands that now need to sell online. So literally go through, I'm going to give you at least two YouTube channels if that's what you want to do. Uh, Gabriel St. German. I don't know if any of you guys have heard of him. He's, mm-hmm. this, he's, a, he's a kid from Canada, literally the ultimate dude ever uh, from a, a dropshipping uh, standpoint. He's like 19 or 20. And he made the best Facebook ads videos I've, that I've ever seen for free on the internet. Absolutely guarantee. Um, now, you know, and the strategy, the, the videos are from like early 2019, I think. Um, so it might have changed a little bit, but not sufficiently. And he's got a course. I don't know if his course is still available, but it used to be $299. And you, you do that, you can, with full confidence, go and start pitching brand and, and, and get paid. Like, I don't know, I want to say like between $800 to $1,500 a month and get started with that. And that, you, you know, you, you close three of those and you're good to go, at least in, 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 a, in a thing. So, um and, and, if you, and if you don't want to do it for other people, because, because of course it's not that easy, you know, like I do it every single day. I wish it was that easy. Uh, you could just explain to people that you can teach them and then you just learn it 10 times, create slides, and then, you know, to an older person, go and show them how it works. That has value, you know, like older people, they don't, they don't understand how easy it is to just learn stuff online and blah, blah. So actually that's also another really good idea. Learn any sort of skill that you feel like now that older people might be struggling, you know, even, even like random stuff of like how to work from home. That's a skill for us to just, oh yeah, cool. Just Google Sheets, Google Docs, freaking Zoom, all the stuff for us. It's, we never think about this stuff, but literally you create a nice little thing and you go door to door to your, to your like, friend's parents or whatever. And that could be some, some, some cash right there. I reckon actually that could be, that could be pretty strong because then, real businesses will need that at scale and then like a proper course about working from home best practices how to feel sane how to do all this stuff and then you try and sell that as two large businesses and that you can sell for like 5g a pop now we're on to something yeah <laughs> and now we're cooking and that's the point of the ideas segment there you go so so yeah i think i think maybe maybe that maybe that yeah like a, a, a how to optimize working from home for big businesses yeah mm-hmm. that, that's i'd go with that because you can organize that. I reckon in two, three months, you can have a really solid curriculum and, and some nice slides, some nice stuff. All of it will be available. It's just collating the information, putting in nice. And then I wouldn't try and sell online because there's too many, too many skills involved to try and really nail it online. Uh, but I would literally go like door to door to bigger company or all the companies uh, and then go with that. So yeah, that, that's definitely a six-figure a year business. No sweat. Um, wow. But we got but, the wheels turning. <laughs> but Dune's business is the best. Uh, that's the one where you can make a few million, for sure. Um, and not Dune's business, but Dune's idea that she said, like, uh, uh, I mean, Dune's business also is a great business. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think I think I think that's what I have for you guys.
There you go. Well, thank you for that. I think Kyle, this was a successful day of experimenting with the, uh, the idea segment. So I think we'll keep it for the next one. It just gets the wheels spinning. It's fun. What, what uh, kind of other ideas did you guys get? Well, dude, this was, this is trial number two. Oh man, you guys are gonna hear the craziest idea. It's so cool. So cool. And yeah, and like, I, I mean, I mean, a strategy would be like now freaking the business idea and listen to the next fucking five episodes, write them all down and start one of them. That's how you win. <laughs> yeah, you know? there you go. <laughs> that's how actually how you win. And that's yeah. how I'll tell people to that's how I'll get people to hook to stay to the end. Stay to the end because <laughs> But literally, literally, the airdrops, I mean, five, six figure business ideas you can start from home in the next three months. Literally, and and this is exactly the sort of thing I told you last time. I don't, I don't want to go back into this crazy rant, but I think you guys are really onto something. There's so many products that can come and that, can, that you guys can derive from this. Uh, and you know, talking about the summit and all the stuff that we discussed last time, that kind of vibe is just amazing. A hundred business idea from top entrepreneurs around the world. How cool is that to sell? Like. You know, like, like that's just really interesting. Or even creating a group specifically based around that, just awesome. Um, yeah, I think, I think, I mean, I, I would love to chat another time or completely off, off the podcast uh, because it's going to be boring about all the stuff, but talking about just brainstorming ideas and cool stuff that you guys can do because I really think it's exciting. I really think there's so many people out there that can really connect with what you guys are doing. So I don't think we're going to say no to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we'll follow up about making that happen because... I love the, love the train of thought you're going in. Uh, one, one last question I have just for the listeners and we can keep chatting a bit after, but have, uh, you do your work in digital ads. And I think this is something a lot of people are thinking in terms of supply and demand and competition. And like you said, everyone is moving online. Like even the people that didn't even know the internet existed in the past six months have moved to create some sort of online presence. So have digital ads. This can be, you can answer it just in general, like across the board or specifically Facebook, YouTube, Instagram become noticeably more competitive. Uh, since COVID or more difficult or lower converting? Well, actually, I, 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 I don't think so because essentially what happened is the, the whole market just grew by like 10 times. You know what I mean? Like, like, yes, there's more competition, but there's way more people buying. There's also way more brands. So on all aspects of it, like really, of course, it depends on the industry, right? Like uh, if, if, if you kind of like in, in the business of selling uh, stuff to restaurants, then maybe that you could struggle a little bit, but um, from an ad perspective and the performance of our ads across the board, most of our clients had seen, have seen the best result they've ever seen. Um, so it is more competitive, but at the same time, maybe we got, we got better. I don't know. Um, but, but, but I don't think so because the market just grew, grew so much. You know what I mean? Like um, online shopping has grown uh, so yeah, online shopping has grown 400% over the last seven years and is expected to be almost 6.9 trillion by 2023. So it's just so dramatic that it is just too much for competition to, to take it all off. You know what I mean? Um, I think the, the, the growth in people buying has exceeded the amount of new brands uh, selling because, you know, yeah. take, Telling you, it takes a bit of time. It takes at least two, three months to kind of get started. Yes, there's all the dropshippers that can sell stuff, and yeah, that 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 floods, you know, floods the ads on the market a little bit. But I still think the proper brand still takes more like six, seven months or six, six to a year time to really put, you know, from the thought process to getting the sample samples to blah 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 blah. That maybe we just haven't. There hasn't been enough brands that could really 
go fast enough to be online, like brand new brands. Um, that you know, I don't think I don't think the competition. Uh, I, so definitely, if you wanted to do that, uh, spend money on ads, uh, become a performance marketing agency, uh, any of this, definitely do it. Don't even think so. It's it's essentially think of any other market. Where where else can you be in the market where? Ten years ago, it just didn't exist, and it's and it's about to be one of the largest thing ever. It's like as if you were able to invest in the stock market in the early days of like the stock market opening. Really, like we're talking nineteen twenties. Mm -hmm. uh, literally, I guess I guess that because you know the, the stock market is the main stock market. Of course, they used to ex exist like in the eighteen hundreds or even whatever the first thing in in, Amst in the, the Netherlands where they used to trade like tulips or whatever. But really, the the, the first real stock market stuff was more in the nineteen twenties at all. And that's kind of what we're, what we're doing now, really. Being only, right now, it's only 13%. Online shopping is only 13% of all retail. So it's zero. It's nothing. We haven't, we haven't barely scratched the surface. Yeah, um, I was about, that's what I was going to say is I was listening to a podcast with John Collison, the uh, co-founder of Stripe. And he was talking about how it's like, right now, it's like 5% total, 5% of the total like world economy is attributable to the internet. And, you know, eventually they expect that to flip to where it's 95% being attributable to the internet. And that just shows you how big this market actually will be in the future. And you're right. I mean, it's the 1920s. Like, there's just 100 years of advancement ahead of us. And it'll be, you know, super exciting to see what that type of world looks like when, when, that, when that reality is, um, is established. Because, you know, there's just so many things out there to to do but absolutely um and just to to follow on with this is as well once you start getting deep into an industry it's very easy to feel like everything around you is just that but the reality is it's not like for example me everything i look online is just ads like i'm being bombarded by ad courses and ads your software ads everything right um so but then uh, I, you know, I went back to Switzerland for three weeks or, or, or whatever, and most people have didn't even know that, that that was a thing that you could actually, when they scroll through Instagram, they, they kind of thought it was Instagram doing it. They, they had no idea that any person could actually place an ad on Instagram. So then you kind of realize, okay, even though your world is consumed by whatever industry you're in, the rest of the world isn't. Mm. This, this is applicable to so many things. Like when you think everyone's judging you and stuff, people just aren't. It's just your world is consumed with what you think. And actually I was reading this thing um, about, it, it was completely unrelated, unrelated. Like now it's, it's, it goes, uh, that was, I was seeing this post about this girl who had a ton of acne on her face. And she was like, you know, for her, she really, everything she sees, like she's on acne websites, how to get rid of her acne, just her whole world is consumed by acne. And so she thinks that everyone else as well is consumed by acne because that's that's what she thinks. But yet, you know, like, I, I mean, I look at you guys, I haven't even paid attention if you guys had acne or not, you know, I don't care. And I guess yeah. it's the same thing um, whether, when you enter an industry and you start going deep and for you guys, it could be the same thing. You look at podcasts and stuff and you'd be like, oh man, but there's so many podcasts. Everyone's doing a podcast, blah, 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 blah. But the reality is it's really, it's just not at all. It's in your world. Now you've been in, the, in that specific Kind of niche of the internet where everything seems to be and then you're like oh man but there's so many podcasts how are we ever gonna make it as a podcast or you know there's so many competition like is it worth doing blah blah which is the same as like the question you had Louis, about about um you know is it worth it and is the competition kind of too big uh 
I, I don't I, I don't think so and, and and you could feel that way if you if you're in it uh but then you realize that there's so uh, such a big world out there that has no clue um i think that's really what i needed to hear right now this is starting to happen once every episode where someone kind of just drops in something completely related to what's going on in my head uh because i mean even you know you're saying kyle and i have all this opportunity to create courses and it seems like everyone i follow who's active on twitter just dropped a course so i'm like everyone's making courses right now everyone's trying to grow an email list uh, when it's just like, no, I've really created a, the, the tiniest echo chamber. Uh, and most people that I, you know, go on the street, pull a thousand random people from the entire world, or a thousand random people from the entire state or from the entire country. And it's like, no, like that's not, ev- not everyone starting a podcast, not everyone like that, but almost everyone who, you know, a higher percentage of people that appear on podcasts, which make up for a meaningful percentage of my weekly conversation, uh, have podcasts know some of the podcast, but you look back at the general world and it's not there. So, I mean, I mean, just think about for you guys specifically, think about the amount of radio stations, you know what I mean? Like there's like yeah. how many people billion still listen to that. and people <laughs> still listen to that. So now your radio station is not just about, I don't know what town you guys are in, but like a small town is just like, there, there's a radio station for each kind of small town. You guys are the radio station for the freaking world. Technically 7 billion people can listen to you technically. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we so, own it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. You own that. You can put whatever ad you want in it. You can direct people to whatever traffic you want. Um, yeah, this is something I've got to remind myself of this all the time. And specifically, I've got to make the same work for Dune because now, you know, I have to back in this, in, this, in this kind of huge it's mission. She's going to crush it. She's going to um, crush it. I love, I love the whole project. So she's going to crush it. Oh, like, yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. The whole um, project is great. So, her project is amazing, but of course, um, for her, she just feels like everyone else is doing the same thing, but at the same time- She's the she only looked, female startup club I know, for sure. You know what I mean? Like, and, and so in her own ecosystem, all the women that she kind of looks up to and she kind of think, have done in, in some shape or form, like a similar thing, but then the reality is just, it's zero. And even, even nowadays, knowing as I just said, any product you can have can potentially be sold and, and, and bought around the world, you can be number 1,000 and you would still crush it. Like literally, I don't, I don't know, this, the, I don't know the, the, the statistics, but this is going to be completely off the, uh, like it's just to give some sort of, of proportions. I reckon in any given industry, there's about 100 brands that make 100 million plus, right? Then about, uh, you know, maybe 1,000 brands that make between 100 million to like 50 million. And then from 50 million to a million, there's like literally hundreds of thousands of brands because from all around the world, right? So if you think about beauty industry, there's like unlimited brands that we've never heard of or podcasts, mm-hmm. same thing. There's like so many, you know, yes, there's only like about a hundred podcasts that literally are worth like, a, like you know, the, the Joe Rogans of the world. But in between that, there's like a billions and they're still making ton of money and they're still impacting ton of people. So I guess this is now, we it's it's, Oh, the internet, the scale of the internet, we just forget about it so much, how big it actually is. You know, like, I'm, I'm a small dude from Switzerland. How on earth am I talking to you guys on the other side of the world? You know what I mean? It's, it's pretty nuts when you think about it. Um, so, yeah, definitely, definitely. The, 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 when, once you're in the industry, don't get caught up in the fact that you feel like everyone else does the same thing. Because it's the same, same thing as, I don't know if, you, I, don't, I, I keep forgetting every time the, the name of the uh, of the phenomenon, but there's like a, a 
like a theorem or whatever of like once you see something then you start seeing mm -hmm. it absolutely everywhere like let's say a new a new car model or like a yeah. new something then you see it absolutely and i guess it's exact exact same thing yeah once you get that's so true space uh, you just see it everywhere but then the reality is just it's absolutely not. i can tell you like what you guys are doing i don't know any other kids that do that you know what i mean <laughs> Like it's the same thing. Like, like I, I know probably you guys know a ton of other uni students and stuff in the US because I'm sure they are. But I listen to a lot of podcasts. I watch a billion entrepreneurs <laughs> uh, videos and blah blah blah. And yet I don't know anyone else that does that. So you know, well, me, who's kind of in the same space as you guys? I can reassure you that I don't know anyone else that does what you guys do. And even if I were to get introduced to someone else, like. I, like I'll do whatever I, I can to help you guys because that was my first introduction to that space. I connected with you guys, and now yes, there could be other people, but you were the OG young. The OG, <laughs> uh, and you're our OG marketer. You know what I mean. <laughs> so I mean, marketing like, is a bit different. Uh, the first idea <laughs> segment. You know what I'm saying? Um, but so, no, but, but yeah. So. Yeah, you go, you go, you go. Uh, I was going to say, this has been great. You know, we really enjoyed having you and doing on in the same day. It made for, made for an enjoyable day. Um, it really was. It was if, fun. if people, you know, listen to this and they, and they want to get into contact with you or they want to check out the surfboard company or, or Sweet Pea <laughs> or, or maybe, get, maybe they have a D2C band and they want to they wanna grow it, where, where would you send them? Um, so to contact me, it's probably best to just go on, on LinkedIn because uh, I've got a team that actually kind of goes through all my stuff. So that's, and my name is just, I'll, uh, you'll guys link it. At the, uh, <laughs> it's too complicated, but, um, and otherwise uh, the, the company, so the, the performance marketing agency is called Amplifier. So uh, that's A-M-P-L-I-F-Y-R. Um, and that's .io or .com.au. I don't know if the .io still is working just yet. It will be, if it's not now, it'll be tomorrow or the day after. We're in the process of doing the whole rebrand and stuff. Then the, um, the SaaS platform for agency owners to kind of, it's, it's essentially for anyone that kind of has clients. Uh, it's just such an easy way to manage clients. It allows you to um, pay, like essentially invoice your customers in the inscription model, subscription model, sorry. Um, so for example, for me, I used to charge clients like the same fee every month, but the issue with like how, how on earth, like some clients take, oh, to give you an idea, when we worked for Ch Chanel, like back with the other thing, they took seven mm. months to pay us a, a $1,200 invoice. So it was like, you know, like they're literally one of the largest companies in the world. How on earth are they speaking no time? So anyway, I did that. And that company is called Sweet Pea Social. And that's Sweet Pea Social uh, and P, just the letter P, dot com. Um, so size free, free sign up at the moment, uh, which is still, still in, in proper beta for, for the, um, uh, the, the agency software. Um, and then the, the surfboard company is called Isymmetry, isymmetry.com. That you can go on Instagram. It's fun. It's a cool Instagram. If you like surfing, uh, it's very artsy kind of surfboards. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's about it. Um, and then, of course, uh, I, I received just so much leads through doing. So it's, it's often easier to find her. And then, you know, through her, you can get to me. Uh -huh. uh, so, so, yeah, that, that works. And actually, that, that provided to be the most amount of leads for me ever through the podcast because you know essentially she has a podcast she interviews all these incredible women often they, they just want to chat to someone who does performance marketing i chat with them and then they realize we're lying we have so many things that we can offer and then we become clients so so even though that was absolutely not the goal again this is one another thing that just opportunity that we never expected to be is just just happen from just randomly doing podcasts so 
um, anyway, I, I really want to congratulate you guys. I really want uh, other people out there to, to, to see what you guys are doing as like really accessible to anyone. Uh, of course, lots of effort, lots of work, lots of everything, but you know, the, the, the opportunity is just immense. So uh, yeah, and hundred percent. So anyway, thanks so much guys. Uh, and we will organize a session in one day. Uh, you know, I'll, I might have some wine, so I'll be even more creative. Awesome. Uh, the, but yeah. Uh, and maybe, I know, how old are you, Kyle? I'm 20. Uh, uh, okay. When, I'm when 20. is 21? January 6th. Uh, okay. Well, maybe, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll wait till then so we can all have a bit of like, a, you know, a boozy, a boozy kind of like. A, yeah, a we'll drink. wait till then for sure. <laughs> that sounds great. And that wraps up our interview with Pierre Antoine Dupre. Uh, I did a little bit better than Lewis did in the intro. Um, but, you know, th that conversation, I I I'll give some of my takeaways. The first of which you, you just said, actually, but it's, um, you know, return on ad spend is printing money. The way that he, he sort of showed us like off camera, uh, a spreadsheet about like a 1.1 ROAS and how that compounds and you can make a lot of money with a really like not great comparably ROAS and he's pumping out 17, 28, 40, where every dollar that you put in turns into 14 to $50. It's like, you know, gotta, gotta get on that performance marketing stuff. It seems like a, a cheat code. Um, and then the second one is like, you know, he went from finance to entrepreneurship. Finance is what I'm studying. It's sort of, I'm spending my time in school uh, learning about, you know, uh, commercial banks and, and pension funds and, and the functions of this huge sort of bloated like um, system that we're, that we're all following. And I'm also reading Taylor Pearson's book. So it's all kind of coming together, but, you know, like solving these complex systems and, and creating systems is what entrepreneurship is. And, and that's what he's done to get to the point where he's, you know, a partner amplifier producing incredible work with their modeling and, and trading. And he's uh, not modeling and trading their marketing. Um, it's incredible though. And then the second one, or the third one is about um, how he, he walked into the surfboard shop you know, uh, looks around, likes the vibe and decides that he's going to, you know, work for free. And you just never know where these decisions that you make are going to, to lead you. Like it, he could have never known that driving up to the surfboard shop was going to alter the course of his life forever. And it's like, you, you just gotta, you gotta get out there and you gotta do things in order for that serendipity to sort of act on you. Um, but yeah, those are my takeaways. I really enjoyed talking with him. You know, it's been great becoming friends with him and Dune uh, over the last couple of months. And he's just a, a really intelligent person. Yeah, I, uh, I vibe with all those takeaways. I'm gonna share my couple now. First one doesn't count, but it is, I was watching the videos and I'm like, damn, I should get another haircut because I don't think I've gotten a haircut since we recorded this and you're out here with your fresh cut looking good. Uh, so Pierre, thanks for reminding me I need to get a haircut. Uh, three actual takeaways now, uh, both Pierre and Dune show a very kind of, I think a healthy and a really remarkable balance of being open-minded to letting cool opportunities surface and taking advantage of them while still being committed to the projects you're already working on. Uh, so he's kind of had this finance job and was like doing it and meeting expectations and graduating and doing school and kind of all the things he was supposed to be doing. But as he had enough space in his calendar and enough, he wasn't so overcommitted that he didn't have the space to take on things 
as they showed up. And it's kind of the same thing with COVID. They had their plan to do this world travel and come to America and whatever else. And they're like, well, that got canceled. And they pretty quickly make new plans and are doing cool stuff with the new plans. Like they're like, all right, let's just increase the production schedule of our podcast. Let's just go on more people's podcasts. Like whatever they have space in their calendar and just very adaptable and make the most of their circumstances. And I think there's a lot of examples of that through his story. The second, I have a little alliteration here is the leverage that comes from making lateral moves. Uh, This is kind of a, a popular framework we've discussed in multiple episodes now where he takes the skill sets and the advantages that he has. And he kind of put it in terms of this as well during the episode uh, of being an algorithmic trader and understanding programming, understanding technology and understanding data and applying that to marketing. Uh, he's going to be one of the best software minded people in marketing. Uh, whereas he was doing well in high finance and he was doing a good job, but he did not have a competitive advantage in the space. So by making a lateral move, he had a lot more leverage. And that's something a lot of us can consider doing. Uh, based on the skill sets that we have, but applying them into a new domain. And he is a powerful example of the benefits that have come from that. And that's a lot of the reason why we think his campaigns have those just wicked ROASs is because not many marketers have that technical analytical background with the depth that Pierre has. Uh, Last one here, and I think it's probably the most important one, is the importance of inbound signal as a validation mechanism for determining if your project is or is not uh, a good idea and if it's going somewhere. So basically it's like if you're doing something and you're getting unsolicited positive feedback, keyword unsolicited positive feedback, people you're not asking for any feedback from reach out to you and message you like, hey, I listened to your podcast. I love what you're doing versus you ask someone, what do you think of my podcast? And they say, it's good. That's not, uh, that's very biased because they're in the moment. They don't want to be confrontational. They're going to tell you what you want to hear and not what you need to hear. But someone just out of nowhere, out of the blue, encountering your work, trying your product and reaching out to you with no connection to you that inbound unsolicited feedback is one of the only objective ways you can gauge whether or not a project really is providing value for a group of people. Uh, And so I think that's a really valuable way. And I've been very tuned into that ever since we recorded this about a month and a half ago uh, to the inbound feedback and using that to help build my confidence. And like, we are getting messages from people saying they're listening to this and they're enjoying it. And just, you know, people I don't have the strongest personal relationships with just very loose, weak ties in my network. And they're like, yeah, I love what you're doing. I listened to this episode and that makes me feel like we really are onto something, uh, which is encouraging and exciting. So that being said, this was a super awesome experience for both Kyle and myself learning in public, as we like to say, if you want to provide some solicited positive feedback, this is your chance to do so. We have a podcast that is on Apple Podcasts and that is the best place for you to give us that positive feedback in the form of a rating and or review. We're also on social media where you can hit us in the DMs and tell us what you think. Uh, of the show and you can always share it with a friend those are the calls to action we usually sign off with i appreciate you being here just as kyle said in the introduction but i'm going to say thank you as well and we will see you in a week or so with the next episode have a great day see ya